The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. 
Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. People seek out our services because they're looking for some kind of a change. Usually, it's because they have something they don't want and they want to get rid of it. Although the opposite is also frequently true, they don't have something and they desire to get it. But something we might not think about is the nature of the change that our patients are seeking or the process of change that they might already be in. Bianhua, the two-character Chinese word for change, can help to clue us in to the kind of change our patients are seeking. I'll be back a little later in the show to discuss how understanding the nature of change can help you with your clinical work. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Geological. Today, my guest is Farah Duro. Farah is an acupuncturist and herbalist in Florida. She has a specialty in treating women's health and in particular fertility and polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. She was recently on the Everyday Acupuncture podcast, episode number 75, which again is you know more for the general public. If you have patients that might have issues with these kinds of things like PCOS, uh, you might want to have them listen to that podcast because there's some great information there. But today, we are going to get deep and geeky into how you can help your patients using some of the things that Farah has discovered over the years. And also, we're going to talk about a new podcast a little later in the show as well. Farah, welcome to Geological. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you because after we did that show for Everyday Acupuncture podcast, I had some new ideas about looking at and thinking about polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's been helping me in clinic because there are some patients that I've had that previously I wouldn't have really thought, oh, maybe she's got PCOS. But now I'm starting to think about the possibilities. And, and the kid, I just saw a kid recently, she's 16. Can I say that's a kid? feels like a kid to me. And it, it was so helpful because now I'm thinking about things that I can do that might help her years down the road. Yeah, I just think that you just changed her whole life trajectory, basically, just by identifying that. And, you know, probably she had no idea, no clue what was going on. And I could also imagine her mother, too, being very relieved to have a few answers. So that's great. Yeah, it was a little surprising for them to hear that, since I'm not a gynecologist. And, you know, usually these are the kinds of discussions 
that women have with their gynos. And so it's, it's kind of unusual to, uh, you know, be an acupuncturist and be able to help women like this. Yeah, I think we have a tremendous opportunity because we do spend more time with our patients on a whole. Uh, we'll be able to glance into their whole menstrual history just by asking our detailed questions about the cycle like we do and uh, all the things that we want to know. They might not have ever been asked that before by their gynecologist or anyone. Exactly. It's kind of interesting. Well, let's let's start in with your journey into this. Um, as I recall, you sort of found your way to Chinese medicine due to a flying pack of birth control pills coming at you. Yeah, that was definitely um, the the good fortune that I had. And I was, I'm really thankful for that day, honestly. Uh, growing up in Alabama, I really, I grew up in a really small town and we had one red light and I actually lived down the street from an herbalist. So it was, it was actually a husband and wife. They had a, a small herbal health food store. And I remember being 12 years old and just walking over to that down a dirt road to this health food store and just being surrounded by all these herbs. And I was just fascinated. So I knew at an early age that there definitely was a beauty in natural medicine. Uh, even, and I would just pick up books and learn as much as I could. So they, they really did teach me a lot and, you know, basically just making my own acne tinctures out of rosemary and things like that. So I was kind of that weird kid growing up, like going, okay, I'm, I'm definitely different. I know that, but I really, really love plant-based medicine. So when that happened, I just knew, I said, you know what, there's definitely an opportunity here. I could get really upset and I could just give up or I could start looking for answers. So that really turned me more towards Eastern medicine. Yeah. Need to scratch your own itch on that one. Right. And I knew that other women were and other girls. I mean, I was 19 when it happened. So I, I knew that other girls were suffering, too. I just, you know, thought, well, there has to be something to this. Like, I can't be the only one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so off to Chinese medicine you went. Right. I was actually going the pre-med route and I did a research paper on acupuncture and addiction for a psychology class I was taking. And I said, wow, this makes so much more sense, actually. And uh, I never had acupuncture before. I didn't even know an acupuncturist um, because in Alabama, it's still not regulated. So uh, we, we just I just basically said, that's it for me. I'm going to Florida and I'm studying Chinese medicine and I'm going to heal myself and get better. So that that's what happened. Awesome. Let's dive into some of this stuff. What I'd like to do is begin with kind of the Western point of view, I know for myself, patients often come in and they, they're, they're often well-versed in their Western diagnosis, in the various symptoms, in the various treatments, that kind of thing. Uh, we're going to get deep into the Chinese medicine piece here in a moment. But let's begin with just what is polycystic ovarian syndrome? Sure. It's a hormonal disorder, and it is common among women of reproductive age. It's pretty common, pretty underdiagnosed, I might add. And most of the time, women with PCOS are going to have pretty infrequent or perhaps prolonged menstrual periods, and also excess male hormone levels or androgen levels. Uh, also, the ovaries might develop numerous small collections of fluid, or they say, you know, the could be called follicles. Um, and basically, those 
fluid-filled cysts or follicles just don't release like they would normally for someone who is ovulating every month. They kind of collect around the ovaries, and that's what makes them appear pearl-like or they have a cystic-like appearance on an ultrasound. So this is usually diagnosed by a medical doctor during uh, an examination or sometimes just looking at blood work. If the testosterone levels are elevated or DHEA, the... um, looking at that and then also seeing, well, the period is irregular. That's another hallmark. So you really just need two out of three things to be true in order to get a PCOS diagnosis now. And basically that's irregular periods, high levels of male hormones, and also polycystic ovaries. So if two out of three appear, then that is usually a PCOS diagnosis. Okay. So those are the the main things that we're looking at here. Uh, for that diagnosis, what are the main treatments that our patients might have already undergone in an attempt to correct this problem? A lot of women come to us that have been on birth control for many, many years, and that's just basically an attempt to control a cycle or to produce a or an artificial period and keep all the symptoms at bay, perhaps like acne and mood swings and that sort of thing. And it's really more of a Band-Aid approach. So that is one of the most common approaches. Also, diabetes medications, because PCOS PCOS is a pre-diabetic-like condition. So um, they use glucophage or metformin to help with uh, controlling insulin resistance. And it's basically another, then we go into the fertility treatments, which would be using uh, clomiphene or clomid uh, or femora or basic or IVF as well. Just medications to help uh, a woman ovulate. And the lack of ovulation is usually the reason for fertility problems in, in women with PCOS. All right. You mentioned that Metformin is often used. So this is sort of a pre-diabetic or a a metabolic syndrome type thing. You know, in Chinese medicine, uh, I think we'd probably talk about that as a spleen condition. Does that, does that cotton for you? Does that make sense? Right. I, we typically, I, I believe that over years and years of treating PCOS, it's really a complicated pattern in Eastern and Western medicine. So sometimes that makes it so much harder to treat. Uh, most of the time, I think in young girls, it might present as liver cheese stagnation with a little bit of spleen cheat deficiency. But over time, that becomes more kidney, spleen, yang deficiency, and also a little bit of blood stasis as well. Uh, so if you can catch it early in the liver cheese stagnation phase, that's wonderful because you are going to be actually getting faster results. But as time goes by, it does start to affect the kidney, the liver, and the spleen. Let's let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about you know a young woman maybe just started menstruating, and and her period it's been difficult maybe from the get go. How would you begin to treat that? And do you have any case studies that you might be able to share with us about uh, that would give us a, a glimpse into your thinking on this matter? Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely we're looking at Chong and Ren disharmonies. I use a lot of extraordinary vessel treatment. And I believe I took a course from Jeffrey Yuen several, several years ago when I graduated from school. And it really was just eye opening. It was actually an extraordinary vessel infertility course. But I use that in my practice ever since. And, and I just find that 
with so many disorders involving the reproductive channel, we need to get deeper into those channels. And so I definitely start with that. Um, I using uh, Ren and Chong channels and also spleen, liver, kidney channels as well. What I've seen that with, I guess you could say in my case, my cycles were very spread out. Sometimes I wouldn't get a, a cycle for 60 to 90 days. And with some of the patients I treat, they have had, they've never really had a regular cycle or a cycle without being induced with Provera or certain medications. So, uh, so we really do need to create a cycle almost. I mean, we, we need to help uh, the body start to ovulate again so that you, you can, the period will come on its own without being forced. Mm-hmm. And so you find the eight extras have been helpful for this. Extremely helpful, right? And I and getting back to how I guess I was treated in the clinic when I was in school, I actually started taking Xiaoyao San. I went to China to study there and uh, had my pulse read by a really old pulse diagnosis master. And he said, you're going to need to take this for about five years. <laughs> and so he actually was right. I took it for off and on for about five or six years. And that very formula actually helped me get pregnant with my and my daughter, the same bottle actually, which is really funny. Jawe Shayo San. So it was because it's basically being caught a little early. But with our patients, we do combine the extraordinary vessel treatments with uh, a four-phase formula approach, uh, similar to Blossom, Blossom by Evergreen Herbs, which I really like that composition. It's easy for patients to take because it's in capsule form. And, and I like it because it does address the kidney at such a deep level. And it also helps them create a, a pattern where, you know, to balance the estrogen progesterone levels and also you know, really work on the LH surge and things like that from a natural perspective. So we've had very, a lot of blossom babies. So Evergreen, thank you very much for that formula. <laughs> Uh, it's beautiful in the way that it's constructed. And, you know, not only that, but we use that formula series, phases one through four, to as a start. But also we use it a composite, uh, basically a tea that we can customize to the patient along with the Blossom uh, formula. So it's been really helpful. What is in that Blossom formula? Well, phase one starts with moving blood. So basically, if someone has not had a period in several months, we're really looking at starting with phase one. Can you can you back up just a moment and tell us about the phases then? Sure. Um, well, the overview is basically that you have four phases, and blossom phase one would be starting on day one of your cycle, which would be if you're having cycles, it would be the first day of full flow. So you're typically, and based on a 28-day cycle, you're going to move through each phase once per week. So basically phase one would be week one, Phase two would be uh, week two and, you know, and et cetera, phase three, uh, week three and phase four, phase uh, week four. And so looking at what is going on there, when we look at the cycle, it's a little bit more complicated when we're working with fertility as opposed to uh, let's just relieve some of the symptoms and that sort of thing. So if we're looking at phase two, what that does is nourish kidney yin, and that's important to help follicular growth, especially if they've just been sitting there dormant. And for probably years, I mean, perhaps some, some patients haven't ovulated for years. So if we're looking at that, what, what does phase two do? The importance of that, it's, it's nourishing kidney yin. And the basis of that formula is a kid, kidney yin, similar to Lue Di Huang Wan, that sort of thing. 
And then phase three would be the ovulatory formula, and that's more kidney yang tonification. So that's really important um, as well. And phase four focuses on moving liver chi. So that's really uh, the luteal phase formula for, for the, as far as the blossom formulas go. Right. Uh, so sometimes it depends on what we're feeling in the pulse and the tongue. We might stay on phase four for a while if there's a lot of liver chi coming up and, and couple that with the constitutional formula. I see. Getting back for just a moment to the eight extras. Do you use the coupled points as a way of working with them, or are you more of looking at the trajectory of those channels and, and finding points uh, relevant on the trajectory? So a lot of times my treatment, I mean, I guess like with all of us, it will change according to what you're seeing on, with the tongue and the pulse and also palpation. And I do myan abdominal therapy as well. So I, I kind of mix the two. I do acupuncture and myan abdominal therapy in one visit. And that is help because that is abdominal work uh, to check for also stasis or, or any pain along the stomach 30 line or around RIN 314 and doing some manual treatment as well on the sacrum and all those great UB 31 through 34 points um, and alignment of the hips. So just, you know, really doing a lot of palpation. If I see that um, there is some stasis in the lower abdominal area, which happens a lot because it is some congestion going on, perhaps the lymph nodes in the inguinal area are congested, then I'm actually going to needle stomach 30, stomach 29, REN 3, REN 4, and then also with the opening points as well. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're palpating for areas of stagnation and then looking to release those. Right. And I mean, sometimes if somebody hasn't had their period for a long time, they are going to have soreness around the ovaries. And just because a lot of times with PCOS, they have enlarged ovaries. So it's just something um, that makes a lot of sense to us. We're saying, okay, it's, they're stuck, you know, I mean, it's definitely some congestion going on. So using a little heat there is fabulous. It feels so nice a lot of times uh, when they are getting that combination approach, even if you're not doing a, a, a myan abdominal treatment, you're doing at least a little bit of 
work, um, perhaps some massage around even, you know, REN12 and that sort of thing that that's also really helpful. And, um, castor oil heat packs are just a heat lamp there as well. And moxa. And moxa. Lovely moxa. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the blood sugar thing, and and I want to get into that here in just a moment. But before I do, you also talked about that on an ultrasound, you'll often see these fluid-filled sort of vesicles. These are the cysts that are sort of the cyst of polyovarian uh, syndrome. In treating these fluid-filled cysts, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what you're thinking about here. I mean, when I hear that from you, my first thought goes to, hmm, there might be some sort of fluid metabolism issue here that I need to pay attention to. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. I mean, nine times out of 10, I see it as phlegm and blood stagnation. So it's not, I think the phlegm might be overemphasized a little bit with PCOS. And it's because sometimes we we see, okay, the tongue is a little swollen. But the biggest thing is blood stasis, because when that period actually comes, it's not going to be pleasant a lot of times. It is going to be pretty dark. It can be cloudy. So behind that is is the, the blood stasis. And also you can have a period that lasts forever. So if somebody hasn't had their period in a year and then all of a sudden you're actually helping, I'm not saying inducing the period, but you are helping that period to arrive, then it can be quite uncomfortable. And sometimes it lasts for 10, 15 days. Uh, so we have to look at it as there's some work to do with the spleen. And sometimes just focusing on damp is not, exactly accurate. I don't think in my opinion, I mean, as far as what would be the most effective, I I rarely use phlegm type herbs with PCOS. So it might be a little bit unusual in that aspect, but I am, I do like to focus on blood moving herbs. Okay. Helpful to know. Let's go a little bit into this thing of blood sugar and its relationship to PCOS and, and more importantly, how we deal with it as Chinese medicine practitioners. Right. I mean, definitely the spleen plays a role. And the first thing that we say is, you know what, we're going to have to back off on dairy, dairy and the white foods like pastries and refined carbs. So just looking at the weight in general, sometimes there is a problem with obesity or weight gain. That actually does help, obviously, because you're eliminating sugar and dairy. But what we're also trying to do is help the spleen work better. So if we're focusing on the spleen yang deficiency underlying everything and, you know, really helping with the insulin imbalance, sometimes that just falls in place when we're actually working a little bit on uh, like incorporating a spleen chi diet and spleen strengthening foods like our root vegetables and things like that. So it's so important. I think that we've got some wonderful tools using Chinese medicine food therapy, I mean, it's it's excellent. So even if you're just doing one thing, it's basically telling them, please just back off dairy. And and that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. That would really address the phlegm aspect too. Phlegm, yeah, and helping the spleen work a little better, definitely. And, you know, now there's some theory about perhaps PCOS might be related to the Epstein-Barr virus, which they say kind of feeds off, you know, eggs, dairy, these sort of things. So whatever the cause of it, we know that our treatment works. I mean, it, it's just time tested and we just, we have amazing tools. So if we stay focused on 
what the spleen is, is is doing in Chinese medicine. It's really not transforming very well if there are some insulin imbalances and uh, some blood sugar issues. And also if, you know, there's a lot of fatigue going on a lot of times, it just still say, I'm just so tired. And even if I sleep, I still wake up exhausted. Well, then we see a lot of patients with PCOS have thyroid issues. So, you know, we look at the thyroid as, well, it's part of our endocrine system. And also the kidney is probably not working as well as it should either. So, Okay. From... And you can speak here from both the Western and or Chinese medicine point of view on this one. I'm curious to know, how is it that sugar and and insulin levels seem to drive this thing? Right. Well, I mean, you could look at it as insulin can help, it can affect so many other things. So it can drive other hormonal levels. So if, if we're not, if our pancreas is not working well and our, we're actually secreting too much insulin, it can be stored as fat and the fat in turn actually causes our estrogen to rise. And so the, all that excess estrogen is just driving up all the other symptoms in the body. And then along with it, you have lovely testosterone that's actually brewing and getting higher. So it it actually manifests with a lot of irritability. It could be acne, hair loss, abnormal hair growth. There's just so many things happening. And then obviously infertility and diabetes and heart disease on down the road because you've just got all that unopposed estrogen. We don't want to talk about, but but it could be that breast cancer is one of those things that we look at. And if we could prevent all of that, I just think that we have such an opportunity in front of us to do this. I mean, PCOS is not just a reproductive disorder. You can take out your ovaries and you can still have PCOS. That's interesting. Tell us more about that. Right. I mean, it affects everything. So if we just say, let's just pretend that, you know, it just is an ovarian disorder. And a a long time ago, they were actually doing some sort of drilling technique where they would remove some of the ovary or that sort of thing. Um, It it's still, I mean, you still have all the symptoms as well. I mean, you you actually cannot just isolate one thing and say, we're, we're just going to remove the ovaries. Because even women who actually are in menopause, they still have this quality of PCOS. So perhaps it manifests as high cholesterol. Or they could also have a higher risk of diabetes still. So, and most of the time, there is some history of diabetes in the family. So, for instance, my father has type 2 diabetes. There is a higher incidence of my children or my daughter having PCOS because I had it. So there's many different things going on. But if you look at family history, then you can tell them, guess what? We have a chance right now to help prevent this from happening in the future. And this is not just something to do with your ovaries. This is your mental well-being as well. There's anxiety and depression that come with PCOS. So many things that we can address and we can really make a difference with. Yeah. If I'm following you correctly here, then there could be issues that some women are having, especially later in life, right? Diabetes, heart disease, these kinds of things. And, and perhaps the underlying reason is PCOS. Right, right. And I think that they're just, that's not paid attention to as much because, oh, you're, you know, you're over 50, you're not, you're not wanting to get pregnant. So a lot of the doctors are actually not looking at PCOS anymore after a certain age, but it's still, it's still PCOS. And it's, 
a lot of times not being addressed. So what happens is um, they're on hormone replacement therapy and then also getting taken off of it. And then everything starts to go haywire. Wow, the cholesterol is going up, hypertension. Oh, I'm, all of a sudden I'm gaining all this weight and I can't, I can't seem to lose weight. My thyroid's out of control. So we see these things every single day. And we say, God, I wish we could rewind a little bit and really treat the root cause. Now we're going to do that, but it, it's, gonna, it's not going to be a short process. It's going to take a little while. Time for a little break here. And I want to share with you some brilliance that I gleaned from Sabine Wilms' new book, Humming with Elephants. It's chapter five from the Suen, and it's about the resonant manifestations of yin and yang. In the book, she points out that while in modern Chinese, the two characters, bianhua, mean change in a sort of generic way, each of the characters separately, though, speaks to a different kind of change. Bian is more of a step-by-step incremental change, whereas hua is a transformation that profoundly and irreversibly changes something. So, for example, a rainstorm would be a bian-type change. While a typhoon that blows your house down, that's hua. Slowly stiffening arthritic joints, that's bien. A cancer diagnosis, well, now you're looking at hua. It's helpful to keep these distinctions in mind, as your patients might be in the midst of a hua-type change, but they were really hoping for more of a bien. Likewise, they might not want the step-by-step incremental nature of a bien-type change when the transformative hua is what they're after. So the next time a patient comes in looking for, I'm using quotes here, change, see if you can differentiate what kind they're looking for. Is it bien or is it hua? And now let's get into the second half of the show. Can you give us an example? When we talked earlier about a younger woman and and you would often use the blood moving formulas, what about a woman who's more middle age, maybe even getting close to menopause? How would you approach helping somebody in that situation? Right. With all the kidney yin uh, deficiency that we see a lot of times, it's just coupled with liver fire at that point because they're a bit frustrated. After all these years, nothing's really changed much. Things seem to be getting worse. And PMS is one of those things that actually can manifest and get worse with age, unfortunately. Uh, so if we don't address it, um, we need to look at what happened with that liver cheese stagnation. Is it now turning into fibrocystic breast or are we having issues with our relationships and what, how is it manifesting and what are we frustrated with? Because it comes through a lot. Um, we, we see so many different things happening at that particular point where it should be a point where, you know, you're receiving all this wisdom and you're actually able to be more comfortable in your skin and that's not happening. So there's definitely an imbalance and a disconnect going on. Yeah. What are some of the surprising things that you've learned about treating PCOS over these years? Never say never. That's one thing. Um, and I remember just being terrified when I, I had my first patient with PCOS and I was actually working at a fertility clinic and she came in with one ovary with polycystic ovarian syndrome with a blood clotting disorder with a rod in her spine and also a fibroid. <laughs> 
So I said, I don't know. And she wanted, and she also had a history of three miscarriages. So I said, I'm really not sure if I can help you. And she actually only ovulated every like three or four times a year. So she only had a few cycles to work with and she really wanted to get pregnant. So I was terrified. Honestly, I was trying to research every single thing I could. I told her I really wasn't sure if I could help her. So long story short, um, after about four or five months of working together, she said, I don't really know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> and of course, that was a month she got pregnant. And basically, we were using, I was using formulas and acupuncture and all kinds of stuff. So I would, I called her, her doctor that she, she was working with. And he, I said, I think that, you know, she's going to need some testing because she's pregnant. She had several miscarriages. It's sure enough, she had a blood clotting disorder that had not been treated. So we use Chinese medicine in addition to heparin. And heparin is, well, is actually not used as much. Now they use Lovenox, but it's a blood thinning medication. And in her case, it saved her pregnancy. So up until then, and obviously I took her off herbs at that point, but, you know, really I had just thought, wow, not only did she only have one ovary, but the other, she only had one fallopian tube and the fallopian tube was on the opposite side of the ovary. So that little fallopian tube had reached over, had grabbed that egg from the polycystic ovary and actually had you know, resulted in a pregnancy. So I, I said, okay, after this, I will never say never. I cannot, you know, imagine a, a more difficult case, but she had a healthy girl and it was great. <laughs> wow. So, it's kind of fun to do the impossible, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's really tremendous. And of course, that was her only child. She said, I think I'm done after this. And, but after, I actually think she had three miscarriages before that because the blood clotting disorder was, was not diagnosed until you know, the last pregnancy. But I, I think that we can work with and reach out to the gynecologist and to the IVF doctors and say, you know what, we're doing these particular treatments. And it's really important if you have somebody with a history of loss, because you will see that too with PCOS is that there could be some history of miscarriage, because over time, the elevated testosterone can damage egg quality. And so the eggs suffer. I mean, it, 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 they're sitting there, but they're not. When that happens, sometimes the egg quality is not so good. So you can have a higher rate of miscarriage with Clomid as well. So reaching out, making sure that they're taken care of is really important. And all the tools that we have, I, I still use extraordinary vessel treatment during the first trimester as well. It's really, it's really, I think, really beneficial. Yeah. You know, it. It sounds challenging. I mean, not just from the technical perspectives of how do we diagnose this and treat it, but as you mentioned, especially for women, you know, more in mid-age, it's a long haul. And it's, it's often tough for patients to recognize progress as they're moving along. We sometimes see progress for them, but it's hard for them, right? You had this patient who said, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts or ideas or ways you have of working with patients when you know it's a long haul, how do you help them recognize the milestones that they've passed? How do you help them recognize that something's actually changing and that change is a, is a movement in the right direction, you know, to keep them motivated and, and continuing with uh, moving forward with, with getting better? Yeah, that, that's a really good question because we have to always find out what is the main reason that they're coming to us. Is it because they are trying to get pregnant, which 
is going to be probably a longer treatment, perhaps. And or is it because they just want to regulate their cycles or they just want to come off birth control? So what's the goal? And if the goal is fertility, then obviously it's going to be a longer treatment. Um, and, and, it, and sometimes it's combined with Western medicine. So we're working with fertility drugs as well. But, you know, it, it's, I'm always very honest and open saying this is, this is a chronic condition. And we can only really do so much in the time that we have. So if we have three to six months to really help maximize what your hormones can do and what your body can do, that is optimal. If we don't have that long, then we might not get all of the things accomplished that we want to get accomplished, but we're going to try. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. For young, let's say younger women who they're not looking to get pregnant. They just want to fix their period. They just, they just want to feel better. Maybe get rid of the acne you know, some of the various things that go along with this. What kind of time frame are we often looking at? And what kinds of treatments seem to help those women? I think that if someone is coming in, for instance, we have 14 and 15 year olds, girls that come in and their mom says, I just don't want to put them on birth control, but they just are not having regular cycles. What can we do? I do like to start with a basic formula, like um, it could be Suwatong or Shayasan, that sort of thing, or even adding Vitex, um, because that is something that actually I find they're very compliant with. If it, if they're feeling better, they'll they'll take it, and you know, the, and there's that motivation there. And sometimes there are some of my best patients because they really understand, like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to eat that, or I'm, I have to do this because if I don't, I don't feel good. And I want to get better. So uh, we do have them also keep a journal. And we can see that some of the pattern is, okay, these, these symptoms are coming around when my period should be coming on. So, And then they actually regulate their cycles pretty quickly most of the time. I mean, I, I always, I'm just so amazed at that. And so if we can address it at that point, that's that's really great. And sometimes I bring it up to some of our patients to say, oh, yeah, I do treat, you know, younger girls as well. And they're like, oh, well, my cousin's having this issue or my daughter. I didn't even know that that this was out there and this could help. So 
it's not going to happen sometimes unless you mention it and you talk about it more. You know, I mentioned earlier in the show that because of our first discussion on the other podcast show, I've started to clue into some things in my clinical practice that that I would have not noticed previously. So for our listeners out here, the other practitioners, what is it that we might be overlooking that actually could be PCOS? Well, number one is always ask, when was your last period? And most of that, those questions are on our intake forms. But well, if you notice that they're not sure or they can't remember because it's been so long, or maybe they've been on birth control, but it's not for contraception, you know, they, they were placed on it, but they really didn't know why. Because a lot of times it wasn't ever explained to them. Just here, take this. So that could be a clue of like, do you, what was your cycle like before you started birth control? And they have to really think about that sometimes. So number one, cycle irregularity is one of the biggest clues. And then if you do see somebody that has perhaps a little bit of abnormal facial hair or they are getting a little bit of darkness around the skin folds, that's usually an insulin imbalance too, the, the discoloration of the skin, I'd say in the neck and underneath the arms. And when you're doing your points, you can see that. Uh, and also, just in general, they're complaining to you that they are not healthy. They just don't feel good as far as, you know, they just can never seem to lose weight and that sort of thing. A lot of times you will see women who have PCOS, they're thin. So it's not always going to affect. But a lot of times they have to, uh, you know, they, they still struggle with some of the same issues. It's just that they're not gaining weight as fast as other women who have uh, some more, you know, I guess more pronounced insulin imbalances. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, often I have women with, who have migraines that cycle around their period. Does this relate to that in any way? I, I mean, we do see that a lot with endometriosis, actually. So I know we're not, not talking about that, but I have seen a big correlation with endometriosis and premenstrual migraines. And I just feel like that's that blood stagnation issue coming right back. Mm -hmm. And when we address it at the root, it just seems to kind of go away. And they go, well, come to think about it, it really hasn't been happening anymore. So um, when you start working with the liver and the spleen channels, I think it just it's just part of our treatment. I, I also like the Ton Balance Method, uh, who it, it actually uses some points uh, that I, I believe, I'm not sure the name of it exactly, but it does have a lot of spleen, stomach, large intestine sort of uh, balance points in there. So there's automatically points added for migraines and headaches and that sort of thing. And that is one of the best treatments, I think, for menstrual pain in general. And we get really good results because sometimes with PCOS, you also have coexisting endometriosis. Makes it a, li a little bit more complicated. Right. Yeah. We're going to talk about your podcast in a moment because that's a great resource. But before we do, I'd like to see if there's any other resources, books or websites or just things out there that other practitioners could avail themselves of to learn more about how to treat their patients that have this condition. Well, I, I think it's a great idea for anyone who is working with women who have cycle irregularities or infertility to uh, read the classic Tony Wessler, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Um, it's one of my favorite books because it makes it so much easier to explain to patients that if they are charting their temperatures, which is one of the things you can do for PCOS that we didn't talk about, but it's free and they can actually see if they're ovulating. So when they do it correctly, when they take the temperature in the morning, they start to see a pattern and you can actually just print out 
one of those charts from her website. She actually has uh, really good references in that book, too. And you can teach them how to chart their cycles. And it's just really important for them to actually be able to see on paper. We've actually had patients who have PCOS who found out they were pregnant that way many, many times because they, they, it, one of the most frustrating things is not knowing when to get your, when your period is going to be coming. So it could be that you are pregnant and not knowing that's actually happened. Um, so if you do chart your set, your temperatures, you can see a shift when you ovulate and you'll see the temperatures actually just shoot up and stay high. So we can actually see that that's happening for, let's say if the temperatures are higher for more than 16 to 17 days, we should probably be asking that patient to take a pregnancy test and then you know, referring them to a gynecologist because at that point they probably are pregnant. I mean, nine times out of 10. So she will, that book is, is really a must read. And also I did write a guide a couple years back as well that's on my website too and it's really actually it was written for my patients and then I just decided to put it out on, on Amazon because it was something that they could use as a reference and anybody who's undergoing fertility treatment or thinking about it or also working with an acupuncturist there's a ton of research in there that was um, put together by the Aborum and a lot of good information for anybody going through fertility treatment uh, and also some information on charting your temperatures in there as well. I've had patients, some of them very compliant with charting their temperatures and some of them just not so good. Lately, I've heard about uh, thermometers that actually hook up to your smartphone and chart this mm -hmm. stuff. Are you familiar with any of these? Yeah, a lot of the patients will use apps, and there are pros and cons to it. I've had people have their history erased, and that's really frustrating. So I'm kind of old school with the charting. I still like the paper version. I think it's great to actually bring to your practitioner and say, oh, this is this is what's going on. Because when we have to flip through a phone, it, the screen gets cut off, and then where's the first day? It's actually more confusing for me to look like that. So rather, if they could just keep the piece of paper by their bed, they can actually save the temperatures in the thermometer. And we're not asking them to do this forever. I tell them at least like two to three months. While it, And also on the, the chart that we have, I think on the latest version of the Take Charge of Your Fertility chart, there's a section for acupuncture. So they can actually check off when they got treated, also what herbs they took, when they had intercourse, many things like that. So they can really just um, can get a whole glimpse of what their symptoms are. So it gives us a ton of information. If we're seeing a lot of low temperatures and nothing happening, it's just flatline, then nothing's going on. The ovulation is not happening. Probably the adrenals are shot. There's many things going on. The kidney is, is not working as well as it should. So it gives us so much information. And if they're able to do that, it's really great. And it could be frustrating sometimes when they're not seeing much change. But we tell them, look, you know what, it's it's actually going to reveal to us a whole lot. Maybe we need to modify your herbs. Maybe we need to work integratively. So there's there's a lot of information we can glean from it. Yeah, I can see how it would be helpful too in giving them a glimpse over a period of time what kind of progress they've actually made. And they'll keep the charts. I mean, I've had patients bring them in. And in fact, this past week, uh, this was actually someone who had – hypothalamic amenorrhea because she basically 
she had an eating disorder. And so she didn't have a period for years. With Chinese medicine, actually, she was able to get pregnant naturally. She had um, within two months, she had a period and actually had a healthy pregnancy. So it was wonderful. And then came back for baby number two. Within two months of taking Blossom, again, <laughs> I love that formula, um, she was pregnant again, and her temperatures were sky high. They were just looking great. And she went to her doctor, and they said, well, let's see, you know, uh, let's check your, your hormone levels. Her her HCG, pregnancy hormone level, did not come back very high. So that was the doctor was very concerned and said, I'm not sure if this is going to be a viable pregnancy. So that was terrifying for her. And she said, but I don't understand I'm, and I, when I tell you her pulse was amazing, it just felt beautiful and slippery, perfect. So I was as confused as she was. Um, so they actually told her that she'll probably have to terminate because it might be a tubal pregnancy. Long story short, she goes back for the ultrasound. There is a healthy, viable embryo there. The levels are perfect. There's nothing wrong. What I don't understand is sometimes, well, you know, we can look at things and say, okay, she's still charting her temperatures. The temperatures are beautiful. Had she listened to that advice and basically just gone in and said, okay, she would have actually ended up terminating her pregnancy, which I think was, is just pretty crazy. <laughs> so if we're looking at a number, that's one thing. But if we look at the whole picture and, and everything that we do, it's just so powerful. So if we can, you know, use all the tools we have, the pulse, the, she was actually taking herbs, things like that. Um, we're actually going to benefit our patients so much. Yeah. It, it's often very useful to them to have more data points than just a Western test. I mean, those Western tests can obviously be very, very helpful. But like you were just saying, there's other things that we can see that, that can point out, hey, this person's actually doing pretty good. Keep going. Right. All right. And I mean, we, we can encourage them too, and have, you know, say, let's just, you know, keep, keep charting a little bit. They can keep charting until maybe even the second week into the pregnancy if they want to. There's, there's usually not much reason to continue after that, but sometimes they just like seeing that it's reassuring, like, okay, you know, when the temperature plummets, the period is usually inevitably coming, but when the temperatures keep climbing like that, that's usually a pregnancy and you could see it as a triphasic climb. So so it's great to affirm it. Also, someone with PCOS who doesn't have regular cycles, they don't have to take pregnancy tests every single day and just drive themselves bonkers because it's so frustrating to, um, for one, spend the money on pregnancy tests and keep having to do it. And instead, just glancing at the temperatures and saying, well, I ovulated. That's great. Maybe it took them two months to ovulate, but they ovulated. And, you know, we can count 14 days from the day of ovulation. That's usually when the period's going to come. So it really does help a lot with the anxiety, too. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, yeah, it's something that I I just have been very excited to do because I really wanted to bring in other practitioners, other um, resources for women who are struggling with PCOS. And I wanted to reach women all over the world. So that's really the only way I, I could think of that would be the most effective way that everybody could actually listen in and really get this information. And I guess it was probably coming from, you know, growing up in a place where there wasn't a whole lot of resources. They're really, I mean, we're really fortunate I, where I, I am now. I'm in a big city where there's a ton of, of resources and acupuncturists and herbalists and all kinds of things, but not everybody has that. So this is something that I started just about, actually, it's been exactly one week. So it hasn't been that long. And um, it's just been really exciting to bring on people that 
have so much knowledge. Um, we have uh, reproductive endocrinologists, we have gynecologists, um, psychologists, and actually, you know, women suffering from PCOS that were able to overcome it naturally. Yeah, so just, just all kinds of resources. So, and uh, actually, all the podcasts are at pcospodcast.com. So um, I'm, uh, I'm going to also include a practitioner section as well and some helpful links for, for practitioners to give things to their patients as well. So Terrific. I'm really excited. Yeah, thank you. Well, I will put all of this on the show notes page. So those of you listening, you find this and just head on over to the show notes page. There'll be links to everything. Farah, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we wind this down for the day? No, I'm just really excited to talk about this because I feel like as acupuncturists, we have such an opportunity to help all these women and just really getting the word out that we this is something we can treat. We don't have to be afraid to to work with us. And you'll just be giving them so much relief probably throughout their lives. They'll be able to learn how to manage something that really was insurmountable to them before. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, completely changed the trajectory of their life. Right. Even, I mean, even perhaps affecting future generations. That's what I, I really think that this treatment does. Wonderful. Well, good luck with the new podcast and thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Rafi. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.